The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, it's a new week, man. How you doing? You know, we're getting closer and closer, you know, trying to uh, get all the matches out. You know, I'll be honest with you, man. I I think the FSW Revolver card is the best card of the weekend. You know, I I think that's definitely can't miss. You know, we've we've announced five matches and there's still some fucking big guns that we haven't really, uh, you know, announced yet that we know we got to do something. You know, I just got word that Willie Mack's also part of the show. I knew he was part of the Friday show. I, I mean, the Saturday show with Callahan. And then he was like, oh, yeah, because we had talked about a Swan-Willie tag team. But then uh, Swan ended up going into the four-way match for the tie- for the Revolver Championship with JT Dunn, Kenny King, and Chris Bay. So it was like, oh, okay. So I, I thought Willie dropped out. And Sammy didn't secure me. He's like, oh, no, we got it for the Friday show, too. It's like, fuck, you know, I got to find, you know, we're working on our uh, suicidal six-way scramble that, you know, I'm looking at, like, Juicy for now, Eli Everfly, Willie Mack, Funny Bone, maybe Adam Brooks, and, you know, and the, the Joker's wild on uh, that one, or, you know, Deuce's wild, whatever you want to call it. But then we also got guys and, and women, Viva Van, Billy Starks, Damian Drake, Remy Marcel, you know, maybe a Cal Jack, maybe a Graves, you know. It, it, it's crazy. You know, Richard Holiday, Anthony Green, you know, so... It's just loading up, trying to get everything set for that. I know uh, some fans are a little concerned on Friday because Rampage, they want to make sure they get to. And it's like, dude, that show starts at three, you know, which we're seeing is, you know, causing some people a little hesitancy on uh, getting the thinking whether they can get to there at 730. And it's like, no offense to AEW, but. Five hours of AEW dark tapings is going to be nothing compared to the matches that we have. You know, even when you do get the best of the best on the Rampage show, it's going to be, you know, against guys that aren't even good enough to be on our show because they're the enhancement guys that are going to be brought in. So it's like, you know, but we're looking, you know, GCW, they've sold a lot of tickets. You know, Black Label, you know, John Morrison's coming in, I see. It's like, man, I just saw my boy Carl Fredericks is going to be here for Black Label Pro. 
Nice. Uh, the 1% are going to be here. So, you know, there's more talent going to be here than ever I've ever seen in in Vegas in one weekend. Well, um, for the uh, card right now, um, for let's start with Full Tilt, um, what are the matches that are announced so far for uh, for that first show, which is... Uh, first show is Luck of the Draw. Luck of the Draw, right. Okay, Jay Vidal is going to defend against Anthony Green. Uh, Gregory Sharp is going to step up, and he's going to wrestle Davey Richards. No shit. Uh, wow. Yeah, uh, we, we, we just announced that one the other day. Uh, by the time this airs, we'll have the announcement, uh, Remy Marcel versus Travis Titan versus Adam Brooks, which do. Because even though they were taping it this week, it wasn't going to air on MLW television till after. And they did not want the first match for the public to see to be at our event and not their event. So we now uh, have to scramble and maybe Hammerstone wrestles Juicy. Maybe Remy Marcel wrestles Holiday. So it's like, you know, we're a couple of weeks away and we're trying to get that going and then we got the sunday card with let it ride that we haven't really announced anything yet so we're just trying to make sure we got everything set uh you know the uh i like to call them uh, the disciples of sin which will be uh representing fsw at luck of the draw sin Bodie, damian drake and funny bone uh taking on uh you know the world and we're we're figuring out who that's going to be and it looks like I am going to bring it back at Let It Ride. The the FSW fray will happen. Gosh. A six-man fray. You know, it's similar. I saw they're doing some kind of scramble, I believe, at a Revolver show. And yeah. it's like six guys, but it's like pinfall submission. That's great. But ours is more of like a rumble style. Two guys will start every minute another guy comes in. And the only way to be eliminated is by pinfall or submission. So, obviously, uh, even though it's called Let It Ride, it is the luck of the draw of where you end up because, you know, if you're the last guy who gets to enter, you're going to obviously have the advantage over, you know, the first guy who has to come in. Right. So, you know, we're trying to differentiate things, you know, make it special, you know, and with luck of the draw, we've been able to do that, we feel, uh, with, with some, some of the outside talent that's going to be here. And then the Revolver Show, you know, we made the first two announcements, Trey Miguel, Nick Wayne, and uh, Jay Vidal, Jay Vidal. in that one. And then you got the four-way with Swan, uh, Kenny King, Chris Bay, and JT Dunn. And then it was like, oh, shit, Mike Bailey and Matt Vandergrift. And it was like, okay, let's now go to the other side. And now you got Tom Lawler against Josh Alexander. So, you know, so far, you got three main events right there. Yeah. You know, and then when you're talking about a scramble with like a Juicy and a Willie and an Eli Everfly and a Funny Bone, you know, to me, that might kick off the show. That's like, wow, there's going to be. It's going to be amazing to see what the match of the night is. 
because, man, there's definitely yeah. going to be at least five or six options on that. Well, and, and what I like uh, just from seeing a lot of uh, different posts, uh, I really love the idea that uh, someone like a Jay Vidal, someone like a Matt Vandegrift, um, you can tell that they are just fired up and ready to show that they are the attraction. You know, um, I think that, <laughs> you know, you just look at some of those matches and you go, man, the local guys are going to step up and the national guys are going to be on top of their game. It's going to be phenomenal um yeah imagine if joe defalco actually took care of the local guys oh wait maybe maybe i take care of the guys that i feel that need to be taken care of whether they're outside or inside it doesn't make a fucking difference the the cream rises to the top so yeah and um what what's uh interesting in terms of you know if you look at uh the reach of this whole collective with the number of shows that are going on, you're also seeing kind of uh, a chance for fresh matchups in terms of, you know, Vandergriff going against uh, Mike Bailey. We're going to get that. And then if you go to the GCW show, you're now going to get Chris Bay versus Mike Bailey. Wow. I mean, it just having everyone it's, Everyone talks about, and then you're getting Chris Bay against Titus Alexander on Lucky the Draw that I, you know, failed to mention. So it's like all these guys are are getting huge opportunities, you know. And it's like, you know what? To the FSW fan, Matt Vandergriff and Mike Bailey may not be a marquee matchup. Because Mike Bailey's been gone for a while and he doesn't have that national reach. But to the fans outside Vegas who might be watching on Fight TV are excited because they're big fans of Mike Bailey. Now they're going to get another opportunity to see a guy that they may have briefly heard of, maybe seen a little bit of, Matt Vandegrift, where they're going to be like, holy shit, this motherfucker can go. You know, and it's the same thing with the Jay Vidal, you know, our fans, uh, you know, because they know Trey Miguel well, you know, Nick Wayne, you know, he worked a pre-show match for us. But nationally, that's a big time match, Trey Miguel versus Nick Wayne. And it wouldn't miss a beat. But Jay Vidal makes the local crowd really be enthralled into the match. And now the outside fans who are now watching it instead of being there are going to witness a huge up-and-coming talent that, you know, they may have seen a little bit on Effie's Gay Brunch or a little bit on GCW here and there or LA Fights because they follow GCW. But now, you know, guys are going to get to be seen more on a national basis. You know, a lot of people had no idea who Cody was until he got in there with Nick Gage. And now they're going to get the opportunity to see him again. And now the Revolver fans and and people who are are fond of that, you know, we're still working on, you know, what tag team they're going to wrestle, you know, at the event. So 
you know, the guys who've been around and that's who gets the shit, man. It's like, you know, yep. you know, I, I love the sky highs and the Nick Xanders and, and the Brett, the threats and they're, you know, that next generation of talent, but there's only so many spots and those spots are going to go to the guys who've been in FSW for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years that have, been there through thick and thin they've been there for the shitty paydays they've been there for the mediocre paydays so of course a guy like hammerstone and remy and cody and jacob austin young and gregory sharp you know and funny bone you know that's the pecking order those guys who've been there done that for years and have been at the top of the card for years they're deserving of that opportunity and then you have to try to fill out other spots. And it's like, okay, well, if this spot comes up, you know, Jay Vidal, Damian Drake, Matt Vandergriff, they were kind of that second grouping of guys, you know? And it's like trying to make sure, like on the Sunday show, like on the Sunday show, we're going to try to incorporate more of the main roster FSW guys. And if we can on the Thursday, you know, so Sinbodi's on it and Damian Drake's on it. And, you know, on Sunday, you know, a few more of those guys, like, you know, we're probably going to have Sky High and they're going to wrestle uh, representing Best of the West and defend their tag titles. You know, TBD, who's our tag champs? We're going to get them, you know, on that Sunday show defending the FSW titles. And, you know, we've made, uh, we talked with Brett at GCW and not only is GCW going to represent at the show, we may, you know, we'll probably do like a, a FSW LA fights match, you know, being, sure. you know, guys like Juicy and Tito Escondido and guys like that who we also use, but they're mainstays in the LA fights roster. Right. Just like a Jay Vidal is, you right. know. Yeah, it's uh, to me, you know, there's. There's all this talk about the quote unquote forbidden door for the big companies and blah, blah, blah. You know, it did just that's what I feel like, blah, 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 blah. Where you have the reality here of this is really kind of that opportunity to see a true mix of talent from you got people, you got people from everywhere. Now they got, you know, Black Label got New Japan, Carl Fredericks, and uh, Alex Coughlin on the show. We got from AEW. I got the Ashley Diembois and uh, and Kayla Rossi. So yeah. AEW is even going to represent on that show and Ring of Honor with and obviously a heavy impact influence because of Revolver. But we also have that Ring of Honor influence. Yeah. You know that that is going to be a part of it. So it's like and GCW and Black Label and Revolver and it's like. You know, these are all an ex-WWE guys. So there isn't a company, you know, name the, you know, top five, six companies in the world. And there's going to be representatives currently wrestling for them on this show. You know, this whole weekend, Matt Cardona, NWA champion, you know, as well as an impact guy. So, and a GCW guy. And the Briscoes are going to be there, who are now the new Impact yeah. Tag Champions. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Matt Cardona, you know, I haven't heard 
anything about Hammerstone defending the FSW title against anyone. I don't know. Does Joe reach into the pocketbook and get Cardona to uh, wrestle Hammerstone? Hey, I, I'd love to do that. So, you know, I, I may have to uh, reach out, you know, and, and see, you know, that'll definitely uh, change the scales uh, if it's a luck of the draw match or a let it ride match on a, on a Sunday. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, I know Cardona is going to be there Saturday because he's working the GCW and the Revolver show. But, yeah. you know, again, if he's coming in Saturday, then, well, he can leave Sunday evening and work the Sunday noon show. You, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, sky's the limit. You know, I don't know if I got the pocketbook for the Briscoe brothers. You know what I'm saying? Because there's two <laughs> of those guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get Cardona and then uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, Chelsea Green will probably be in his corner or wrestling on GCW's card. So. You know what? Yeah. What what a matchup it could be! It could be um, make the late call, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green against Scarlett Bordeaux and Killer Cross. <laughs> wow! Hey, Ke- Kevin, I think uh, I think you got to catch a flight, brother. I think, and then uh, a run in between uh, from Keith Lee and Mia Yim. <laughs> well, hey, and. We know now that uh, that the former uh, Mecca champion John Morrison's going to be in town too. So there you go, I, bring in I, Taya, XFSW, right? FSW Women's Champion, you know, yeah. <laughs> and the and the Mecca Grand Champion who never lost the title. Yeah. Oh you know? man, I, that- I have had a conversation with him, and as always, you know, you send a text message. And within a day, John Morrison, you know, he responds, you know, one of the best dudes out there, man. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Not like another close friend who uh, has kind of forgot who the number was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, he might have deleted it. He might have. Yeah, you know, kind of yeah. delete. You know, Because <laughs> I think uh, him and his uh, – uh, his brother might be in town that weekend. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they would both be in town. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, when you uh, when you look at the opportunity, like you said, um, having Sammy Callahan's company involved, you get to see guys not only come here, you know, from from the Midwest. But now you're looking at that pay-per-view and you're getting exposure potentially for some of your guys like a Cody uh, and a Jake or, uh, uh, you know, Remy, uh, even though Remy's also, you know, had a lot of travel as well. And some of the other guys like Vandegrift. How important or is it today in the way everything is available through streaming for these guys to get on shows like this? so that they do build that base to where promoters then feel that they could bring in uh, someone like a Matt Vandegrift or Damian Drake into Ohio or Michigan or Indiana and know that some of their fan base will be familiar with them. Uh, is, is that something that attracts promoters 
to bringing guys in is that potential of having guys who your fans are already somewhat familiar with, if not fully invested in. Does that just is that what we're seeing and why pro wrestling is kind of at a peak again is because of the way that the streaming has allowed for guys to be on that bigger scale and then go wrestle in, you know, smaller cities across the country. Well, the thing is the the dynamic of bookings and things like that has, has all changed and it's, and it's changed because a lot of the younger wrestlers and, you know, look at the guys who get it, you know, the guys who get it are not afraid to dig into their own pocket and buy a plane ticket and go somewhere that they feel is going to benefit them. You know, I'm not going to buy a ticket to go wrestle at a show that has no streaming, 53 people at the show. What the fuck's that going to do for me to spend a $400 ticket? I don't care if you buy it on Spirit or Frontier for $250. It's still $250 on a show that you might get, you know, a $50 payday for, you know, if, if you look at the guys who I personally, you know, you, you look at these big shows and you look at the guys who are going to be on luck at the draw. You look at the guys who've, who've, who've kind of made it, you know, Chris Bay, he's made it a hammerstone, you know, he's made it, you know, across he's made it. And, and you and you look at guys that are trying to get to that next level that, hey, you know, whether it's Damian Drake and Vandegrift getting up here at AAA or a Ring of Honor show or, or Impact and Jay Vidal, that these guys are willing to invest in themselves and they're not concerned with what their payday is, you know. You get people on one side of Facebook and they go on and the promoter this and he don't pay that and he don't do this. And, you know, I always joke about Marquez and and the exposure bucks, you know, and it's like, yeah, he's not going to pay you, give you exposure bucks, blah, 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 blah. But if it helps you, then those exposure bucks are great. Yeah. You know, a Matt Vandergriff is willing to come back from Florida on his own to be a part of a big weekend because he knows Joe DeFalco is going to book him. So he's definitely got booked. And now he's hoping other people will see it. And he's already in with GCW because of stuff that we've done and things that they've seen because GCW worked with FSW. And these guys, the first question, some people, Hey, what's the pay? Hey, what's the pay? You know, I can give you a list of these guys who there is no discussion of pay. They are willing to come in and work for whatever they're going to get paid. And now if they decide after the fact that, hey, you know what? There's no squawking at the time, no matter what is being given to them. Or I'll tell them, hey, people hit me up all the time. Messages on Twitter right now. Hey, I'm going to be in this weekend. Hey, I'd like to come down. I'm like, okay, hold Hold the brakes. First off, if you want to come to FSW, that's great. First off, I got to see your shit. Secondly, I am not flying an unknown talent from Wisconsin, Indiana, Chicago, 
you know, I'm not paying for your travel from from California if you just want to come in and do something. And the pay will be minimal. And that's why uh, we use a Percy Drews and a Travis Titan. And Percy Drews was smart and he got himself a sponsor who got uh, his flight covered. So it didn't cost him money to be out there. And a Travis Titan. And these are guys who get some exposure on AEW darts and things like that. That they feel that FSW has great talent, that they want to be involved, and they hope down the road that we will cover their travel. We will pay them more money. They they, They need to prove that they're a valuable commodity instead of just, saying they're a valuable commodity hey right. i'll come out i've got we have so many people that have offered to get down here just to be a part of the show and it's like no offense but this weekend that's coming up there's not a lot of spots there's a lot of main fsw guys who don't get that spot so right. we're not doing fsw versus revolver and bringing in some guy who's never worked for either company even if he's good like like that, unless a spot opens up for an Anthony Green or Richard Holiday, you know, they're the backup plan. What's well, a damn good fucking backup plan? <laughs> because I got to make sure that Matt Vandegrift and Damian Drake and Remy and Jacob and, and, and all these guys get opportunities. You yeah. know, it's like I'm struggling, you know, for the Sunday show. OK, yeah, we got TBD on. I, of course, I would love to have my tag team champions on the Revolver show. But right. they're a young team. And I, I can't just bump Death Proof, who've done 10 years worth of stuff and have earned every right to be there. So yeah. it's kind of mixing and matching and trying to make sure you offer the most amount of opportunities as possible. You know, and Xander and Brett the Threat, you know, the, these guys... They're they're a year or two into the business, but they've exceeded all expectations of what people, you know, have expected from them. And now they go to other places and they're put in main spots and they're in really good spots in FSW, of course. But there's so many guys there and you you don't just get given something because you're good. Well, most of our guys are fucking good. You know, go look at a lot of the shows. And you see people on shows were like, fuck, this guy's terrible. Or, you know, we see some of our guys that we feel are, you know, maybe worthy of being on Future Shock. But, you know, they're they're nowhere near ready to be on a casino show. But they're booked every weekend. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, it's great for them. But, you know, a lot of times people are getting booked because they're going to work for free or or inexpensively, you know, as I always said, I I don't pay the best. And I tell people that like, this is what I can pay you. And in some cases, guys move on. In some cases, people are willing to work. In some cases, people are willing to negotiate because the bottom line is most people enjoy working for me and FSW. You know, they, they feel that if they're going to work at a state and drive in from somewhere and they're gonna, and their rate is fifty dollars less that they're gonna make with me. Well, that that's their decision to make. But if you look at the talent we got, it's obvious that a lot of these guys are okay with that because they're choosing to do it. 
Nobody's putting a gun to somebody's head and saying, yo, bro, I, I, I know I told you I'm paying you this, but I'm only going to pay you that. You know, I remember one time back in the day uh, when AU was uh, around and okay. we were supposed to get uh, Tyshawn Prince and Jay, and, and Jay Cash and, you know, Tommy Misfit, Thomas Day and all those guys back in the day. And the word I got back from like Tyshawn and them was, yeah, Joe DeFalco, he doesn't pay anybody. You know, he only pays the Godfather and Superfly Snooker. And my response was, do you really think that the Reno scum drive from Reno and I'm going to stiff those two motherfuckers and A, number one, they're going to keep coming back and B, they're not going to beat the fucking living piss at it. Like, you know, you can't believe everything you hear. Right. Now, I am going to negotiate because if I can save 50 bucks, 75 bucks, 80 bucks, 100 bucks, instead of having 12 good guys, I can have 18 good guys. And that's why when you look at an FSW casino show, it's fucking stacked to the gills. And Joe doesn't say, hey, you know what? We're only going to do six matches, five singles, and one tag. So I only got to pay 14 people. There's right. going to be 30 motherfuckers on the show. So add it all up. I want the best show possible. So right. how do you do that? You know, well, I, I'm not in, I, you know, I'm not independently rich and I'm not rich in any way. And I'm not a guy who's like, hey, I'm going to take all my money and I'm just going to give it away into wrestling. Because right. regardless of what people think, you know, I'm not doing these shows at a school because I'm making thousands of dollars. Like, hey, it's Future Shock. The tickets are 20 bucks each. We made nine grand on that show. Well, it's fucking virtually impossible to make money on that show. You right. know, it's a small school show. Tickets are 15 and 20. We let the kids sell them for 10 fucking dollars each. So when Oliver Canada brings 15 people, they pay 10 bucks each. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like what you bring in. Well, you're bringing in this and the show's costing this. And, you know, you're lucky uh, you can get fucking lunch at Chipotle. Yeah. But you're doing it because you're trying to give these guys experience. So down the line, they will be able to be utilized at a casino show and a right. Mecca show. And, you know, at the last Mecca, certain things it happened. And, you know, Sky High got to be a part of the main, main Mecca show in the three-way. Right. You know, initially they were going to be in a pre-show match. So by doing that, we ended up getting Nick Xander and Thomas Day in a, in a really good opening pre-show match. Yeah. That two hours before the show, Nick Xander was there helping, totally not expecting to be on the show, but he was still there helping. Maybe if some other people were there, we could have did a six-man or, or a tag, but some of those guys, since they weren't on the show and they're right at that level to where they work some of the main shows – and sometimes they don't. Well, were they booked somewhere else? Maybe in some cases they were. You know, it's the same thing Memorial Day weekend. Like, maybe you shouldn't take a booking that weekend. 
maybe you should just be around and make yourself yep. seen. Like, this is like a mini WrestleMania weekend with far less people for you to have to compete with. Yeah. Because if you're from out of town and you're not booked on any show, unless you're being used as an extra for AEW, you're probably not coming to Vegas. But there's so many companies that are going to be here along with AEW that last time we had this event uh, with AEW, Dustin Rhodes showed up and ran one of our classes. So being around, maybe the last minute somebody couldn't make it that they were supposed to come in from Orlando and they say, hey, Joe, uh, we need four extras. For double or nothing, you know, can you lead us in the right direction? We're using a bunch of your guys already that I already know are being used as extras. What they are, I have no idea. You know, they're keeping it hush-hush. You know, I found out about a couple more guys because we were talking about the Sunday show, and they're like, oh, no, we're not going to be available. I'm like, oh, thank God. It's, you know, a few less guys I got to fucking worry about getting on the show. Because, you know, I also don't like that. You know, everybody, you know, who's going to be upset? I'm not on the show. You know, we think highly of them. And these younger cats, man, you know, they take it personally. And, you know, in most cases, you know, it's not personal. You know, sometimes we use a guy who's not as good as somebody else just because it's for a role that we're looking for. And everybody has a role to play. And, you know, unfortunately... It's my movie. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? And, sure. you know, sometimes they have a hard time understanding it. Like, well, hey, I started before them. And it's like, again, it's not participation trophy. We literally had a guy leave as a student who was progressing very well. And he was getting close to a match that, you know, he felt that Nick Xander and Brett the Threat were he was as good as them. And he started before them and not very much before them, but he was coming along and he was about to get a match on future shot, but he was bothered that Nick Xander got a spot before he did. (laughs) And, you know, how much passion and dedication is really there. It's like, so, so instead of saying, you know what, Joe, you're fucking wrong motherfucker. And I'm going to prove to you you're wrong when I get the chance. He took his ball and left. You yep. know, Oliver's the perfect example. Oliver Canada. Okay. Oliver was around. You know, he pays three months up front, pays three months up front, then he kind of disappeared. Okay. Wasn't really getting it that quickly, it seemed like. Came back, right. renewed bigger, you know, three months up front. And he's the guy that may have started, you know, I don't know the time frame at this point. But there was probably, for sure, I couldn't tell you who, but I know for sure, people that started after him that got some opportunities on Future Shock that he didn't get. And eventually, he finally came up to me, and he was like, hey, Joe, you know, uh, I'd really like an opportunity to get a match. And it might have been a few months since I talked to random trainers and, hey, you know, who looks like they're ready. Because, again, that's their job to tell dictate to me who they feel is ready to get that match. 
So, you know, I talked to Sin, I talked to Cody, and you know, they were they were both in the the realm of, you know what, it's been a while, man. He's up and down. Sometimes he looks like he's ready. Sometimes he doesn't look like he's ready, which again is probably pretty much like ninety percent of students that come in. You know, not everybody's a Chris Bay that in four months, you know, he's ready to get beat up by Funny Bone. You you know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, well, we're going to give this Oliver a shot. So what's the best way to give Oliver a shot? And the idea was let's put him in with one of the trainers in Bodie. And Oliver came in strong, had a bunch of uh, his family and friends. The whole section, they had signs, they were supportive. They did everything you can expect from a fan who probably wasn't a fan. Like, we've seen it in the past. You have a match, match is over, match two, and now the 12 of you leave and you're gone. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Oliver's probably on second or third, and his family and friends are still enthusiastically cheering on the show you know, on match five, six, and seven. Right. So Oliver doesn't get a lot of offense in. It's his first match. He sells, but what little he does get, man, it's infectious. The The family and friends are so excited, it's made the other fans there want right. to get behind this guy. So, boom, we, we got a success story. Here's a guy, he sold tickets. We gave him an opportunity when we think he may not have been ready, and he performed admirably. So, obviously, the show four weeks later of Future Shock, he's automatically on the show. There's like not like, hey, we're going to see. You know, we had a couple other clunkers in there with some newcomers that obviously they still needed some work. So we put Oliver with Gregory Sharp. Same thing. He got a little more offense in. It was good because Gregory Sharps hated anyway. So it was a lot easier for the fans to get behind the other guy. So, again, he did extremely well. They had a very good match. Successful again. Now we're on to the third show. And after the second show, Cody put him over. And he basically dictated the same thing. You know, he wasn't sure. You know, and he's yelled at him and and probably hurt his feelings. And there may have been days that he was like, fuck this motherfucker. Cody's a piece of shit. I ain't coming back. And then, you know, eh, maybe he's trying to make me better. Maybe he's trying to encourage me. You know, maybe I was lazy today because nobody nobody wants to admit to 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 faults and mistakes and things like that. So they had a match. And again, you know. I heard there was a, a few hiccups and, you know, when it came to cardio and, and maybe Oliver got a little gassed here and there, but the average fan and I'm, I'm, I'm higher than the average fan of knowing what to expect in a match, obviously. Right. And I didn't notice it. They, they, they played it off well. And as much as you want to give Cody credit for it, cause he's the veteran, Oliver still had to step up and do what he had to do. Right. And he looked good. He looked strong. Again, the crowd got behind him, and, you know, he's a guy who's still on the rise and still has got a long way to go, but he's earned himself 
the opportunity to get an opportunity. Right. And earning the spot, earning an opportunity to get an opportunity doesn't mean he's going to be on every show. It doesn't mean like, okay, he did good. He sold 10 tickets. Okay, well now we got to put him up against uh, uh, Mike Bailey at, at, at Look at the Draw. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like some of these younger guys don't understand what having value means. Because exactly. at the end of the day, I can do an arm drag. I can do a hip toss. Hey, I can do a couple of cool things, you know. And in some cases, you know, we brought along guys that could do some super cool stuff, but we really felt that they had issues with their basics. And, you know, you can work around your five cool moves, but what about the other, the five cool moves takes 45 seconds and the match is six minutes long and not wanting to put in the time and the effort. And, you know, that's what it mainly becomes about and being content in where you're at. And and as I said, the most successful guys are never content. You know, you go on Twitter and you think Chris Bay is one of the shittiest wrestlers in the world because he's extremely hard on himself and he's, you know, yes, you always need to improve. But even I try to tell him, Chris, step back, man, dude, you're doing fucking great. You know, guys that are like Brian Cage, it took that guy six years longer. Eli Drake, these guys were pounding it for years. And you you would swear these guys had to get signed, and they didn't. You know what I mean? And and some of these guys have gotten that success very early. But they're still growing into themselves. But but because they've had that success, you know – they're, they want to be at the top of the mountain. You know, Hammerstone was my champion, and look at him now. Uh, yeah. He's he's way better now than he was five years ago, three years ago, one year ago. You know, yeah. he was a guy who you never wanted to hand a microphone to. Now he's one of the best promos around. Sure. Because he's learned the business. He's understanding. And that's what takes time. And a lot of these younger guys, they just get – all these bookings and they get put on all these shows, but there's no upward growth when you are doing those shows because some shows have more value than others. It's just the way it is. We have shows that are more valuable than others. Sure. You know, obviously the Mecca has more value than the future shock. They're all used to to try to make somebody better and get you the experience that you need. And you can take whatever you want out of it or try to get whatever you can out of it. But everything is different. You know, it's amazing how you do see some guys that you shake your head sometimes because I'm watching and it's like, wow, this motherfucker's killing himself for 40 people. But he's not killing himself for 40 people. He's killing himself for himself to better himself. And he also understands that 40 people may have watched it live, but that clip is going to go on YouTube. He's going to send that to somebody who's going to look and say, wow, man, there wasn't a lot of people there, but you could see that dude gave a fucking thousand percent. He didn't give a fuck. He went out there and he wants to show 
he's a great professional wrestler. Yeah. And 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 you can't you can't bottle that. You know, just like you can't bottle charisma, you can't bottle personality, you know. Right. Everybody's journey's different, you know. Kevin Cross got to where he got because he had more character personality gimmick than Asanjay Dutt or Jeff Jarrett said they've ever seen in a guy with as little experience as he has. You know, that that's one of the most difficult things to, right. to get somebody to be able to get in front of a microphone and make you believe, you know, Cross made you believe that if you were with him in an alleyway, he would beat the fuck out of you. You know, it was it was the same way I felt. You know, I had talked to Sammy Callahan for years. And then, you know, we finally got him. Uh, He was supposed to wrestle Davey Richards. We did the Mecca match. And it was uh, Keith Lee, Brian Cage, and Sammy Callahan. And I was stunned that Sammy Callahan was like two inches shorter than me. I was like, I've been shocked a lot in the wrestling world, but to me at the time, that was the biggest shocker in my life was like, holy fuck, Sammy Callahan. But being that death machine and being the guy he is, like, if I was in the alley with Cage, Keith Lee, and Sammy Callahan, I'd be afraid that Callahan would be the one who would fucking kill me. Yep. Because he portrays his character as this out of control psychopath and he does a great job with it. So, you know, and again, how do you get that? Well, a lot of it's natural, but again, a lot of it is, is trying to perfect your craft and not being ever content with where you are. You know, if you had the match of the night, you want to have the match of the month and you want to have the match of the year. And you want to have the greatest match of all times. Yeah. That's going to strive people to, to be a, as good as they are. You yeah. know, that's why a, a Hammerstone, a Cepha, uh, a, a Lacey Ryan, a Cross, a Bay, a Cage. You know, those guys, you know, Brian Cage is a guy who could have been resting on his laurels, sitting in AEW, finally at the top of the heap. You know, Impact was great, but AEW, that was probably the first time he was guaranteed money, big time, you know, changing your life money yeah. to where this guy will still go out there and risk it all because he just wants to go out and have a cool wrestling match with a Casey Navarro or, yeah. you know, a Will Ospreay or, or whoever it is and not concern him with self like, fuck, I better not get hurt because, you know, I might lose my money. You know, he's the guy who, when I talk with Brian, money's somewhat important because of what he makes. But even if I paid him his rate and I said, hey, dude, you know, I want you to come in and and wrestle this marginal mid-card guy on my show, he, he would have no interest. He just wants to wrestle you know, the best matches he can have against the best people. And he may not say, I wouldn't work a match against this guy, but if he likes the guy and it was Chris Bay, he would have, you know, five years ago or whenever Chris Bay started and he saw Chris and he liked him and he thought he was really good. 
it wouldn't matter to him where the guy's stature was. He just wants right. to have really cool matches. And if he felt that guy was good enough to do it, it wouldn't matter whether he had a fan base, no fan base, how much experience. And, and that's how he would do it. Well, that's a great point, too. And I think that's something that doesn't get um, brought up a lot with <clears throat> the journey when you're trying to become a professional entertainer in general. And that is, in Brian's case, he had gone through what young guys are going through six, seven, eight years ago himself. So he's worked his way. He's earned the opportunity then to work with people that he sees either already have made it and would make a good match or have that potential that he can see in them. There's no reason to take a step backwards and, you know, go through all you go through in a match for someone who he might not have proven that they have the passion and love that Brian has. And I think that that kind of goes to what you're saying about Xander. If you show up to a building, you make sure in your car you have a bag and you have your gear. And that's the thing that I think catches the eye of most, um, you know, most promoters, most bookers, most uh, teachers is when someone is prepared and they can step right in because you show you have the love of what you're doing. And I think that sometimes when you're talking people who like to talk money first, they're not as in love with wrestling as they are with making, you know, a payday. And that to me has always made no sense because what you put your body through, it's not worth, if, if you're not going to be passionate about, the profession of wrestling, why are you doing it? And if the answer is for money, well, guess what? You can go down to, you know, a, an Applebee's and become a bartender or a waiter. And guess what you're making? The money. And you're probably, you know, making maybe even two times or three times more that you make for wrestling, uh, you know, the first match or second match on an independent show card. But the deal is those people who are doing it and who love it, they could wrestle a dark match. They could wrestle, a, you know, a main event. It doesn't matter. They're doing what they love to do. And that's what excites me about this whole weekend is that you have people who love doing what they do and are, you know, just chomping at the bit to work with each other because it's a passionful weekend as opposed to just making paydays. And I think that's exciting. Uh, we were talking a little bit about Future Shock. Um, we did have Future Shock that went off uh, this past Saturday. and um, Wow, it seems like it was like three weeks ago. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we got to see uh, Chase Bell finally uh, kind of getting a little uh, of that ring rust off a bit. Uh, he's getting back into the ring now off that injury that's kept him out for a long time. Um, what were your impressions of seeing uh, Chase back? Um, how do you think Devin Reno, you know, did with him in, in that being Chase's comeback? Uh, you know, and also do you potentially see 
Nick and Chase coming back together, or is it uh, the point where, you know, it's kind of like Nick took off and now Chase has to kind of get himself to that point where, where Xander's at? Uh, honestly, I think Chase has to concentrate on Chase. You know, Nick kind of took the ball and ran with it, you know. Uh, it's similar, but it's not similar to the, the Matt Vandergrift, Damian Drake thing. You know, right. when, when Matt Vandergrift was injured, it, it wasn't for a really long period of time. Right. When Damian Drake was injured, it was, you know, totally unsure. He came back earlier than expected, but he still was gone a while. And yeah. in that situation, Matt took off. And then Matt, you know, instead of maybe doing things uh, politically a little better, he ended up, you know, laying out his boy. Well, in this situation, you know, Chase came back for his first match. And, you know, they were in a different situation. You know, the unguided were tag team champions. These guys were kind of put together uh, because of the need of another babyface tag team. And Chase Bell seemed to be getting a lot of love that the crowd seemed to like him. Uh, Nick was this up and coming guy and right. he was a guy you wanted to find a spot for, but it was hard finding a single spot at the time because there was so much going on. So I felt to get Nick on the show, being in a tag team would be a better way for him to get used a little more because we had a bunch of other tag teams that would right. need matches, you know, cause you don't want to have, you know, as I joked, I saw them in the office, Sky High and the Suavecitos. You know, they 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 were uh, talking about uh, their final battle, uh, the, their best hundred, their best out of one hundred and fifty-five. So it's like you want to give something newer, fresher combinations, whatever it is. And when you got a bunch of homegrown tag teams, it's kind of difficult. So right. we figured a popular tag team would be made of them and the the crowd kind of uh, liked them. And, you know, I'd have conversations and Nick would be like, well, you know, trying to get gear. What do we want to do? I'm like, you know, well, first off, you know, think of a name, you know, if you have a name, then people kind of believe you're real. And then Chase got hurt, you know? And then at that point, you know, Nick got a lot of uh, bookings elsewhere, got a lot of success elsewhere, had some success here. We got the rookie of the year thing, you know, and all that stuff was happening in between his singles matches and tag stuff. So, you know, as of now, I don't look at either of those guys as a tag team. You know, Damian Drake and Vandergriff came to me and said, you know, we want a tag because, you know, probably a year earlier, I told them, hey, man, you know, I think you guys would be a great tag team when Matt came over from California, you know. So, you know, I'm pretty sure Nick is more than happy at what he's doing. And, you know, Chase is just happy to be back. So, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what he's expecting or he wanting, you know. 
I would guess would have to find out in his mind, you know, does he assume that they're going to go back and do tag stuff? I don't know. We haven't had the conversation. You know, we were short on some guys. Uh, we were looking at the future shock. And a week before the show, I knew Chase had started getting back into training. So that was all I knew. Yeah, you know, he yeah. sent me a message and he's like, hey, bro, just so you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm like, oh, you, you can work a match? He goes, yeah. I'm like, okay. And then uh, some things got changed up, and I felt, you know, Devin Reno is doing very well as, as a young heel, and yeah. a good baby face for him would be Chase Bell, and they had a pretty solid match. So, you yeah. know, these are two young guys that, you know, are easily a part of the main roster, but there's just harder to find you know, spots available, but they'll definitely be mainstays on future shot. Yeah. And, and I think that that's another important mainstays on future shock eventually will lead you to be a mainstays on high octane and mainstays on casino. Show. You, you got to take the steps. You got to put in the steps and that's what, you know, you're seeing like those two guys could very well be, that next round of, of guys who are going to be an important part of the backbone. Um, and speaking of uh, guys who are important part of the backbone, Bodie Young, Prodigy, and Alice Blair, uh, man, you know, two, two young, really good, talented people. Um, was it a matter of uh, – getting Alice some work uh, because it's a little harder because, you know, there's not as many women and um, also just giving uh, Bodie a match to uh, just kind of keep them uh, fresh and uh, you, you know, continue that experience. Is that pretty much how you looked at putting those two together? I'll be honest with you. It was like two days before the show and uh, Alice Blair wasn't on the show because there wasn't, another female and she was like well you know i just want to wrestle i'll wrestle a guy blah, 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 blah. and i'm like oh, okay yeah I'll, I'll keep that in mind and Bodie was cleared to go and he was ready to go and you know there there was people who wanted Bodie to uh, be the one to accept the open challenge uh and again with jay Bidell and the popularity baby face baby face matches are fine but it's always that it's better to have that conflict. And, and I think Davion, uh, and again, it's a threefold answer. Davion was very impressive against funny Bone. He followed yeah. that up with a, a really good performance in the three-way. So the three-way was him, Blair, Brody, and Devin Reno. So right. initially I was going to put Davion against Blair Brody in a singles match. Because I felt that was where we would go in that. But then it was like, you know what? We needed uh, uh, somebody uh, for Jay Vidal. Actually, we were, or not even me, uh, Jay Vidal had brought up Kid Bandit. And he reached out to Kid Bandit. But Kid Bandit was booked. So Kid, now it became uh, a Kid pop Bandit. Joe Kid Bandit. I think is booked all the way through 2025. That guy has had, you know, that, that he, oh, so good. So okay. now it became where we're going to go. So it's like, you know what? I felt Davion would be a good match. You know, he, he's been working as a heel. 
you know, young up and coming kid. That's what Future Shock's really about, you know, trying to give opportunities. Bodie will have his time. So it was kind of like, hey, you know what? Uh, let me put Bodie in uh, Alice Blair in. She wants the match. He wants to work. Uh, we're always trying to get in that seven to eight match range, and we were in it. So we weren't going over. And yeah. we felt, you know, Bodie uh, kind of got banged up in the match with Gatson and Funny Bone and uh, the four way with Eli Everfly. So it's like, okay, let, you know, let's get him back into the action. You know, it's it's rare that Bodie's going to work somebody that he has the size advantage on, you know. True. But I'll be honest, I'm not sure that intergender matches are what's best for Bodie because the yeah. kid just turned 15 and you could see, you know, he didn't really want to punch at her. He didn't want to do certain things because, you know, it was a girl. And... Yeah. Even though it's wrestling, you know, he was he was pretty hesitant on certain things that he wanted to do. So but overall, it was it was an entertaining match. And, uh, you know, again, it, it's experience for Bodie, you know, working with a female. And it's more experience for Alice Blair, who, you know, at this point in her career, she needs to get reps and she needs to get experience. Yeah. So, you know. No harm, no foul. They, you know, they had a good six-minute match. It was solid. The, the the crowd was into it. And, you know, that's one thing about our crowd, man. You know, that homegrown talent that we use, you know, can do no wrong in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's uh, it speaks a lot for the fans here. And, um, you know, that that's very uh, important because uh, I think, you know, like you said, you wrestle in front of 10 people somewhere else. Um, it, it, you know, it, it goes, it shows you the difference between being here in Vegas for the fans in Vegas who love you and love the company that you're wrestling and love the other companies you might be wrestling for. They just want to see you and they want to see you succeed. Um, and you get to go to some other state and, you know, wrestle on a card and realize uh, the fans aren't really into this. They're not there, etc. So I think it's, it, you know, it's something that, um, you know, for a future shock, it's great to get these guys assimilated into uh, what a good, you know, fan base can do and, and bring to a match. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, you know, this past uh, Sunday was uh, the WrestleMania backlash uh, do you watch Backlash? And uh, as a booker, let me ask you this. You had WrestleMania was about six, five, six weeks ago. You have about four, I think, matches out of seven or five out of seven that were rematches from that card. How hard is it for a company to execute better matches in that second telling uh, as compared to what they did at WrestleMania? And do you think that they accomplished that goal in terms of moving stories forward and actually having better matches than they did at Mania with those, uh, you know, Charlotte and Ronda and uh, Edge and AJ, uh, Cody and, and Seth? What do you think overall about that? 
I, I thought it was a waste of my fucking time is what I thought it was. <laughs> it's like, you know, WrestleMania is the be-all, end-all. And now, because you can't sell pay-per-views for Backlash, you're selling it as WrestleMania Backlash because you're hoping there's idiots in the world who might think it's WrestleMania. And what? how does a storyline further when Seth Rollins loses to Cody Rhodes again? What, what, what purpose does it serve? The fact that they had a better match? Great. Back in the old days, you wrestled fucking 400 house shows against the same person. So now you're doing the same pay-per-view, and except it's WrestleMania. Oh, wait, it's not WrestleMania. So Edge is going to beat AJ Styles again. And now I'm assuming we're going to have to look forward to Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins in the cage. I don't know. It's like, so does Seth Rollins win the next matchup? Because normally it's the tiebreaker. I win one, you win one, you know. In the past, it was worse. You know, hey, we have WrestleMania. And then tonight on Monday Night Raw, we have four rematches from the pay-per-view that you just paid 60 fucking dollars for. Yeah. To not have the feud end, right. the never-ending feud, the never-ending story. You know, there was a movie called The Never-Ending Story that somehow ended, but it ended. <laughs> WWE is the never-ending story, where it yeah. just goes to the next one, to the next one, and it's like, and then the matches they add, you know. Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin, you know, that that ain't even a main event on main event, okay? So that's part of the pay-per-view. They take away the one match everybody was excited about, RK-Bro and the Usos to unify the titles that they didn't do. Then, instead of at least giving the baby faces some heat, you know, some comeuppance, they yeah. fucking lose. Roman Reigns, who beats everybody, pins Riddle. Who cares? It's not going anywhere. Like, at least have Drew McIntyre pin one of the Usos. Like, sure. great. Drew looked great against Roman Reigns. And it's like, well, how about let him beat somebody? Like, yeah. we were talking on my radio show, and they're like, oh, don't you think they should have Drew McIntyre pin Roman Reigns? And I'm like, Fucking absolutely not. It's like this guy has been undefeated for so long to have him lose and be pinned in a random six-man blow-off bullshit fucking pay-per-view is pointless. I'd rather do it on Monday Night Raw if you were going to do it. But, you know, why can't Reigns lose to Drew McIntyre once? And that would be for the title. Now, all of a sudden, shit comes out that Roman Reigns is not going to be around because he's going to be making a movie for a bunch of months. That the whole summer, he's supposedly not going to be around. Yeah. Well, then I guess it's SummerSlam or Money in the Bank fucking 
somebody better beat him. And it's like, I get it. Cody Rhodes is hot. You know, he had a great match. And I watched the first match at WrestleMania, and I thought it was, I, I thought it was fabulous. Yeah. But I, I've seen the we're going to stuff people down your throat thing. And for out of nowhere, there's no buildup. Right. And Cody Rhodes, because he wants to do something his dad never did. Well, that should be a six-month year buildup for WrestleMania. It shouldn't be, oh, in a month and a half, they have a match and he wins or he wins money in the bank and he cashes in. You know what I mean? It's like the storytelling to me is abysmal. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, because you just you just brought up something that I found fascinating, and that is they started running a promo with Cody in Allegiant Stadium, and it was a promo to sell Money in the Bank being here in Vegas, uh, July Fourth weekend. What he said during the the commercial is that the man and women or woman who win Money in the Bank. It was phrased as they win a a title shot at WrestleMania. Right. So this is something totally different and new. How the hell are they going to be able to extend from July until next almost April? Okay, well, number one, it makes absolutely no sense. Because right. the Royal Rumble, right? that's been the, the play for years. So yeah. it's like, oh, Cody must have misspoke. But it's like... But they already – he didn't do a live commercial and he spouted right. it out. Right. Like somebody gave him a fucking script to say it. So, all right, I won Money in the Bank and now I'm going to want to wait. Wait, Money in the Bank? Doesn't that mean you could cash in whenever the fuck you want? Right. Like that's the whole process of it. So, so do you think – No you, clue, no explanation. It, it was out of nowhere. Typical WWE. People are like, what the fuck is even they talking about? You know? Could it it possibly be that we will see for the first time, well, sort of the first time, because they kind of did this with Otis and The Miz and that the briefcase kind of going back and forth. But do you think that that's what we're going to be seeing for almost six, seven months is the potential of people winning the briefcase and losing the briefcase and almost Defending it as if it was a title? Well, they have a title. It's called the 24-7 title. That's even more abysmal. (laughs) So it's like, I win money in the bank, and now I got to have, I'm going to accept a one-on-one match for my case because I don't like you. Well, what what are you doing in return if you lose? Are you going to leave the company, loser leaves town, or you get the case? No, we're just going to have a match, and I'm going to put in my hard-earned money in the bank case that I won five months ago, and now in three months is I have a WrestleMania main event. But I'm going to give it up because you spilled coffee and catering on me. (laughs) And, and, Uh. And that's what the frustration is in wrestling fans. And it's like, again, they don't give a fuck with me or you like or dislike they're 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 not doing anything to us you know they they had their biggest quarter ever well why they have their biggest quarter ever you know house shows were great oh wait they don't do house shows oh 
Their buy, their their pay per view buys were through the roof. Oh wait, everybody subscribes to Peacock. So when you don't have to worry about running live events and you're not selling pay per views because you already got a company, Peacock basically is paying you what you would have gotten from the pay-per-view, except you don't got to split it with DirecTV and the cable companies. You're getting an upfront amount of money, and you're just running a premium event. And Peacock wants all your content, so they're willing to pay for it, which is is a reason why WWE, without a doubt, probably makes more money than every single wrestling company in the world combined. Right. And th- that probably isn't even close because yeah. if you're going to tell me Impact, MLW, Ring of Honor, AEW, we're even turning a profit last year, I'd say you're out of your mind. Yeah. You know, e- everything is in the future. You know, yeah. Impact lost shit tons of money every single year with Dixie Carter. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty certain they're not making money hand over fist now. They, they barely run any events. Right. You know, they got a TV deal. AEW's got a TV deal. But I remember when we first heard about the TV deal, you know, it was based on bringing in all these big sponsors. Well, you know, they run some big shows and they do far better than anybody expected. But, you know, they're not running four days a week. Uh, drawing 15, 20,000 people. You know, right. they're running smaller arenas. They run their big show and they'll sell 15,000 or whatever. But how much did it cost to run the arena? How much money are you paying Jericho and Moxley and Danielson? And when Cesaro comes in and Punk and every and Miro, who you barely use, and Big Show and Mark Henry and Jay Lethal and guys that you forget are on the roster that they've been yeah. paying to uh, beat up somebody on AEW Dark. Like, yeah. their, their talent roster, the cost per year, is got to be more than – almost more than WWE, you would think. Yeah. Because it ain't like Moxley's not making, from what we understand, at least a million bucks, and Jericho, you know, Matt Hardy. You know, yeah. all these guys have already said it's the most money they've ever made. Yeah, and Jeff and Jeff just came in. And so Jeff came he, in. Yeah, the Hardys themselves. They, they got him for a bargain. They got a discount, only two million a year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that money's yeah. got to yeah. come from somewhere. Now, oh wait, the owner's father is a billionaire who loses his ass with the Jaguars because they can't sell a fucking ticket. So, but, they're, but they're protected in the NFL because of the revenue right, sharing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's what the WWE, they stole to the NFL model. That yep. without having a fan in the fucking stands, you're going to make money. Yep. You know, they're talking about that, that with the USFL. And I'm like, yeah, but the, the fucking money's based on ratings, and the ratings ain't that good. And right. they don't have – literally, I'm watching a game, and – I would sit in the fucking end zone. I get like 17 footballs a game because there's not one person in there. 
Well, like hey, Birmingham. No. Oh, well, you know, Birmingham's the home team, so you know they draw at night or whatever. Well, I saw they played like a two in the afternoon game, and there wasn't five hundred people in the audience. Joe, you know there there is one person we know who has attended a MK. USFL game. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I think he's. Uh, I think he bought stock. I think he's a part owner. <laughs> I think he sold his uh, Gene Simmons boots. And uh, bought in on the company. Oh, man. Uh, then he's got to sell more boots because uh, the Kiss Cruise, they added a second Kiss Cruise. And you know MK's not going to not go to both, even though they are like two months, a month apart. I yeah. guarantee you that that motherfucker will be on at both cruises. Well, and and as we, as we finish here, let me ask you, MK is not committed for uh, – the AEW weekend Memorial Day weekend yet is that correct? Because I, I think, think he is. I'm pretty sure he it? said he was going to be here. Because I I thought that uh, I think it's in Nashville. I believe uh, that like I think that like Friday, Saturday, Sunday that weekend is I believe Kiss Fest. So I believe I got to go check back the messages, but I thought he, uh, he will be here. I thought he committed to the whole weekend. Okay. All right. I, I want to uh, see. May, I wanna maybe, see. maybe we have to put a computer at ringside and he's going to zoom his managerial performance in, you know, new way to do things. By the way, I'm going to see the psychedelic furs tonight. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Tickets were fucking cheap. I was like, so the first time I went in, it was only like the general admission standing. And I'm right. like, fuck that. I ain't standing for shit. And the tickets were like 49 bucks. I'm like, wow, that's fucking yeah. cheap. And what, then I what? looked and then there were some tickets for like $70. And then all of a sudden, like they opened up the second level, which is where I thought the tickets were sold out. And I got myself a nice seat with the wife, $49.50 plus tax. Sure. So in the fees. So it was one hundred and twenty-seven dollars for two tickets. Damn! And is that uh, House of Blues? Which, which yes. one? Yeah. So they barely hold anybody. So the second the second balcony is is a hundred feet away. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a phenomenal. That, that I know they got a new call. album, but but they better sing their fucking hit songs, or I'll not be happy. Oh, they. That. Dude, if they pull that, they, they can't. They can't pull that. They can't. They pull don't that. sing it's "Heartbreak hard. Beat" and "Heaven" and "Pretty and Pink." I'm fucking rioting. <laughs> Pretty sure they will, though. They have to. They have to. I mean, it's they're classics, man. But uh, well, enjoy yourself tonight. Uh, that should be phenomenal. Um, don't be the guy who wears the the T-shirt of the band to the concert. Um, I got my Chris Jericho WCW one that I got from 1999, I think. You know, if uh, if you ever feel it, look on eBay and see how stupidly expensive the wrestling shirts from that era are going for. It's it blows my mind, man. You know, I got, I got some. You know, I got I got some. Uh, I got like a. Lex Luger one. It was like a red NWO, you know. Yeah. You know. And then I got like the whole thing, the collection from the Nitro Grill that I still right. have. 
you know, I got four horsemen like kids t-shirts <laughs> that were from the Nitro Grill and Goldberg and Kevin Nash. And my favorite, the FUNB, when it was the fuck you new blood. Like yeah. I actually dug that gimmick. But I tried to get Nick Bockwinkle. I was gonna run a group, uh, an anti-group. It was gonna be fuck you, Nick Bockwinkle. And they were going to put the 75-year-old guy through a table because I said, hey, Nick. Because Nick lived in town, and we knew him right. because, you know, he did stuff uh, at, at Rush's school. So, right. you know, we talked occasionally. I'm like, Nick, I got this idea. I got these FUNBs I want to say. Fuck. So it could be this heel group, fuck you, Nick Bockwinkle. Love to put you through a table. What do you think? He's like, I think it's great. Just depends how much you're going to pay me. And it was like, you know, Nick was about the dollars. Dollars, and, you know, if you paid the dollars, it made sense. So, you know, unfortunately, it never came to fruition. But, you know, at 75, Nick was willing to take a, uh, a throw through the table for the right price. Oh, man. Well, let's, let's face it. Uh Sounds like uh, something Sin Bodhi will be uh, doing at seventy-five, uh, or or. Uh... What do you mean you don't take bumps now? What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, funny bone. Let's uh, let's go with bone. <laughs> uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be double stomping people at seventy-five. <laughs> Uh, any final words for uh, the listeners and viewers uh, this week before we uh, sign off? Yeah, check everything out. Go to fswvegas.com. Uh, you know, we're even offering a uh, four-pack for just 110 bucks for all four shows, general admission, for the Black Label Pro uh, show. We got Revolver at uh, FSW Revolver at 7.30 on Friday, 11 p.m. Black Label Pro. Uh, Saturday at 4 is the Revolver Show, and at 8 o'clock, the main event is GCW. And then earlier in the day, not part of the GA ticket, but uh, our guy Ed in San Antonio running a, a stacked women's show. And right before that, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez are doing a Q&A. So, you know, and in between that, we're going to have, you know, as we discussed, you know, there's going to be merch tables, you know, maybe people doing some podcasts. Uh, some signings. So sat, especially Saturday, man, there's going to be people there from 11 a.m. to probably midnight. So, yeah. you know, come by, check it out. You know, tickets are available for all, all the companies. Yeah. And you can check out FSW's website. You can also check out uh, the websites for uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver, uh, Black Label and uh, GCW. <laughs> Um, and again, if, uh, you're not able to attend, if you're, uh, you know, out of country, even, um, check out fight TV and, uh, you'll be able to, uh, get some of those on fight TV and, yeah. uh, uh and our network. show with revolvers already, uh, already up. Uh, if you go on Twitter, the, uh, the link is up for it or just go to fight.tv. Uh, I know, uh, GCW's show as well as the revolver show they're both going to be on there i'm unsure i thought black label said uh they were going to be on fight but then i also heard that they were part of the iwtv family right. so i have to get verification on that 
Yeah, so it's it's uh, again in the FSW network, uh, six ninety nine uh, per month, and uh, you know catch everything uh, that FSW has done uh, to to this day uh, by checking out the network and uh, you know getting some of the upcoming shows uh, that uh, FSW will be running, uh, especially after Memorial Day passes and the anniversary passes in June. Uh, you know, be getting a lot more uh, future shocks and, and high octanes throughout the year. So uh, check that out. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and tuning in to the Vegas Bad Boys. We appreciate it. And until next week, we'll see you guys then.